Welcome to Come Alive with us. Today I have Dominic Hawkins, who is a storytelling guru. And Dominic and I go way back as we both worked for TIAA. And Dominic was a client of mine as well when I was on the agency side. So very excited to have you on, Dominic. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So I was wondering if you could just give a little bit of background about your experience, and then we can kind of dive into the questions. Absolutely. So again, my name is Dominic Hawkins, and I'm an integrated marketing and communications expert, uh, and I've spent the last 12 years or so working on behalf of corporations and nonprofits and occasionally some government bodies working to create stories for them and help them strengthen their communications, whether that be through public, public relations or media engagement or through uh, marketing materials, you name it, you know, um, I've had the privilege to be able to work on it. I've uh, worked uh, on behalf of PR agencies as well as in-house. And so I like to, you know, bring that unique blend of perspectives to uh, clients that I work with. Uh, and, and right now I'm working with um, an advisor to Prescott a, a PR uh, tech startup where we're trying to uh, create and democratize the way uh, PR professionals like you and me access media databases without having to break the bank. So again, thank you so much for having me. Yes, and thank you so much for that overview. And Presskit is an amazing resource. Everyone should check that out. And thanks for the plug. Yes, <laughs> thank you for exposing me to it. So you're doing a great job there. Um, so let's start out with a lightning round just to kind of get energy going. We'll ask a few okay. questions and then we'll dig a little bit deeper. So name a book or resource that has profoundly impacted your or influenced your approach to authentic leadership. Yeah, I would say um, The 48 Laws of Power. Uh, I think it's uh, by Robert Greene. That was one of the first books that I read uh, back in 2015 that really helped me to understand leadership and power dynamics in the corporate workplace. You know, I was having a really difficult time navigating um, environments where, quite frankly, people's egos were, were very strong and uh, kept put kind of, I felt like I had, I lacked my own agency, you know, and so... Um, after reading that book, I felt more prepared to understand how to navigate those complex power dynamics between managers and um, you know myself and the interns that I managed. And you know, I realized that the leadership started with me. And so, while every tip in that book is probably not going to be useful, I did find that it enabled me to better recognize um, what was going on and be able to react to it and be able to be the leader. Uh, to myself and others that I wish that I had. Oh, I love that. You know, I actually have that book. I've read a few chapters, but I need to dig deeper and go back to it because to your point, I've heard that it kind of exposes you to the other side. So you can have right. that you're better equipped to be able to manage those personalities and everything. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> so who is your favorite authentic leader and why? You know, I really struggle with that kind of question because, you know, I, I, I can't say that I have a single favorite authentic leader because, I, you know, there's just so many qualities that I that admire about people and um, there's just so many leaders out there. So it's really tough to find just one. So, uh, you know, I, I will say like the quality that I the common quality I've seen to those leaders is that they're in, leaders with integrity. 
You know, and so I would say that's the most important quality that I, that I would see because if you're if you're a leader with integrity, you know, you may make mistakes, you may, may make accidents, but you know, it's to me if you are leading with purpose and leading from a place of um, treating people justly and fairly, that kind of quality permeate can permeate everything that you're doing, and really, just you can't go wrong by treating people well. Right, and so. Um, and that's what I would say. Instead of instead of trying to find, I, I really racked my mind just thinking like, what, who do I admire in that kind of way? It's the same. It's probably the same reason I don't have a favorite musician, right? It's just right? like all oh, this music is so good. It's such so choose just one. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, we have favorite genres maybe, but like it's hard to choose just one. So really, to sum it up, um, leaders with integrity are my favorite kinds of. Leaders. That's really important, and what an attribute to possess for sure. Yes. So um, in one sentence or so, how would you define authenticity in the context of a leader? Knowing your purpose and living that. Oh. And so and, and yeah, knowing your purpose and living, living that and uh, having the understanding that uh, why you're on this earth and creating that roadmap and executing it to that roadmap onto fulfilling that purpose. I love that. I love that so much. And what's one daily habit that can set leaders up for success? I like to start my day with meditation and reflection. Yeah. I, I usually get up around five in the morning and I'm just like, whether or not I'm feeling good about it or not, I'll get up and just think about what I want to accomplish that day, reflect on the past, uh, the past day and just sort of anticipate the, the coming day. So um, I have, you know, create that mindfulness, that awareness of what I'm doing and what I want to do. So I'm not just kind of blown about by whatever the day may bring. You know, that's interesting. And I've heard so many positive things about that. And I tried to do it myself. Do you have any tips for people who are just getting into it? Um, you know, maybe how long to do it or, yeah. you know, any just practical advice on how to get into meditation? Absolutely. So I first got started when I was a yoga entrepreneur back before COVID happened, which completely wrecked my business. That's a that's a story for another time. But um, that's when I first began to develop my own mindfulness practice. And I would say it just starts by, um, you know, first you have to have the desire to want to do it right and like a lot of people don't even see the need to get up or even think about what they want to do and the first thing they do is look at their phone and you know scroll through all their emails scroll through instagram tiktok you know you really have to um be disciplined about that and create time for yourself so the first thing i would do is just mark it in your calendar well right? just just set that intention with yourself that this time is for me, this 15 minutes or this 30 minutes, whatever you can do uh, is for me to be able to get my mind right and be able to do the things that I want to do. Um, so you know, usually I start with just like a breathing exercise, just trying to clear my mind, inhaling, exhaling. I might count, you know, count to a certain number, whatever I'm feeling that, you know, that morning. But um, you're starting it with with that kind of uh, quieting exercise, and then feel just, and then feeling into whatever it is I'd like to do. Um, so I, in that way, you can set your intention, and, and again, feel like you're you have an anchor throughout the day. Um, so you're not just blown about by you know whatever fire drill that's happening, an email that comes in, somebody calling you, whatever it is. You know, this is the thing I'm trying to do. And this is what I want to do today. I love that. And I love the idea of marking your calendar and really setting that intention um, so that it's planned out and you it just becomes part of your routine. Definitely. 
Exactly. Awesome. Well, okay. So let's dig a little bit deeper. You know, I mentioned okay. you're a storytelling guru. Do you have any practical tips on how uh, our listeners can incorporate storytelling into their professional communication efforts to enhance their authenticity? Well, for me, it, I think it just goes back to thinking about stories in general. Like everything we do is a result of a story. We tell ourselves stories every day. We tell stories of the people around us every day. And, you know, they, they come from within and they come and they go without, right? And so stories are everywhere. And I think, you know, you just have to stop and realize the power they have to shape the hearts and minds of, of people. And then when you when you dissect a story, um, you know, I. I always find myself asking why, like the, the why, the reason uh, behind everything is, you know, is going to be woven throughout each of those story, each story that we tell ourselves and other people. And so, um, you know, I, and that's really what I love about storytelling and creating stories that resonate with people who interact with them. Um, so going back to that concept of why, that served me well in my career because you can, you know, just by asking, why are we doing this? Why are we saying this? You can uncover new ways of working. And so starting with that simple question, why? Why are we doing this? Um, why are we trying to reach this audience? You know, why are we trying to, why are we conveying this specific message can really help to inform the facts and the figures and the data around it and, and inform how we shape it to be able to communicate successfully. Uh, so my tip to any budding storyteller is really hone in on why you're doing this thing and not doing it just because your boss says, okay, well, we need a press release about this. Okay, why do we need this press release? Why do we want to issue and, and phrase things how we are and how we're doing it and, and reach this audience in this way? And I guarantee you can uncover new ways of thinking and new ways of, um, of approaching and even uh, shaping, choosing the words for that particular release um, just by asking that simple question. It's a simple yet powerful question. You know, I, especially when you mentioned press releases, I feel like so often we're given these tasks or these assignments and there's no real why behind it. And then you ask right. that and you uncover, oh, well, maybe we should take a different approach or maybe we still do this, but we do it differently. So I think that that's very essential. Absolutely. Yeah. That's helped me my career, but my mother hated me asking why growing up. <laughs> Very <laughs> young. Start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Dominic, let me ask you: What traits must authentic leaders embody to differentiate themselves? So, at the top, we talked about integrity, which you know obviously explains really important. But I also think that um, the principle of servant leadership is important because uh, you have to leave your, leave your ego by the door as much as much as it's important to cultivate a strong self sense of identity. At the end of the day you as a leader or you are a server you're, you're coming there to you're, you're in that position to um to to guide and provide that leading service to other people you aren't there to uh you know further your own ego you're not there to um you know to, to hog up the limelight you're there to lead and guide and direct and shape a company a mission a focus even a household yeah. right and so um Having that sense of I'm here to serve, not to be served, is important for any leader because that's you know that's a slippery slope for um, for disaster, right? You know I don't know how many times you hear about companies who have CEOs or you know people who are extremely wealthy who who, who have done well for themselves in their businesses end up 
in some kind of scandal because they want to be served in some kind of way that's absurd. Uh, you you hear about the time about politicians who, uh, who you know who who didn't get a particular you know bowl of M and M's in their meeting room, or whatever, and it's just like a huge problem. So that kind of attitude just really detracts from the work that you're there to do, which is to serve the people, serve your constituents, serve the folks who work for you. I love the way that you put that. You know, it's it's checking your ego. It's really serving your people and not serving yourself. And I think that that's something that we definitely need to work on in our society. Uh, very, very important. Um, so thank you for that. Do you have any stories of challenges or triumphs that you've experienced that people maybe have also, you know, could resonate with um, where you have some tips on, you know, how you overcame that or, you know, how you just went about that in general um, that might help our audience who might be going through something challenging or, you know, maybe experiencing a tryout, then uh, maybe have some positive words there. You know, well, the first story that comes to mind is one that I'm sure is will resonate with, with many folks listening. Um, that's the story of having a manager who you, uh, let's just say, are learning from and learning how not to be, learning how not to behave as a leader. You know, so, uh, <laughs> right, right. And so, like, and, and I even think, even in those examples, you know, when you have a manager you're working with, you're like, why do we do this? This doesn't make any sense. What is going on here? You can learn from that kind of behavior and learn not to, learn to eliminate it from your own perspective, right? from your own kind of work. Um, they can often be a good mirror for um, for yourself and what not to do when you were getting that into that role so you know there's one particular example i remember working with a manager um who was just simply like really frazzled uh typically out to lunch unresponsive and not strategic whatsoever and really and just like way too caught up in the weeds it just makes things extremely difficult to get done especially when we want to be intentional and ask questions like why are we doing this does this really make sense is this the best tactic maybe we should take a step back um, but but uh, I found myself in the throes of that continuous cycle where we would try something where I knew it wouldn't be the best option because we just simply hadn't thought about it. Iterate, 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 and then blow up the entire thing because we didn't take the time to just really think about what we were doing and why we were doing it. And so um, in situations like those, my only advice is to try to have a level setting conversation with your manager or with whomever it is and really um, have them understand what your approach is and, and, and calmly explain why you think that there's another way that we can do this. Um, I found that a lot of people, especially in the PR industry, um, really excited about the tactics. They want to create the tweet. They want to get the press release. They want that New York Times cover cover story. But um, in reality, is that really what's going to be the most strategic? Is that going to reach our audience? Probably not. And so um, just having that mindset, even in the face of leaders who may not be strategic or may not be entirely focused on what's happening, you know, at least you can... Um, uh, do the best job that you can by a learning from what not to do and b just being strategic in everything that you plan so um that's my five cents uh, there <laughs> super valuable i yeah. think that so many people can relate to that is you know having those managers and you nailed it when you said 
you know, having a conversation that level sets. Do you have any other advice on sort of managing up when you're in those types of situations where you just feel like, oh my gosh, how am I going to survive this? You know, having that, that's a great first step. Is there anything else that you would, you know, employ there? Yeah, there's a um, a great book that I encourage everyone to read when they start a new job. It's called The First 90 Days. Yes. And, oh, yeah, you know that one. Okay, good. Um, and so in it, they talk about like uh, creating the structure for your uh, managers. So you, you, you are aligning what the goals are and then um, demonstrating how you're executing against those goals in the front end. So you're not waiting for your mid-year check-in or your end of the year check-in. And you're like, hey, what gives? You know, I've done a great job. I haven't gotten any feedback from you. Right, where's my bonus? And they're like, well, actually, here are all the things that I wish you'd done that you didn't do. You're like, well, how was I supposed to know that? I'm not a mind reader. So um, I would say, you know, this just goes back to the principle of being the leader that you wish that you wish you had and um checking in with your manager and treating them like they need to be managed and quite often the times they they do appreciate that structure and having those kinds of clear goals that you've taken the time to crystallize versus you know going to them with hey what do you need Uh, and sometimes you know it's really difficult but i think it's incumbent upon us as consultants and employees to have a strong sense of what we'd like to accomplish, going back to that why, and um, being able to bring that to the conversation with their managers or their principals. I love that so much. And how do we not take things personally? I mean, that's been a skill that I've had to learn over the years with all of this. You know, we're talking about managers, we're talking about adversity. Um, you know, maybe that goes back to your tip on meditation. Uh, but do you have any, yeah. or, or, or would you agree with that? You know, what would you say helps in not taking those things personally when you are exhausting those efforts and, you know, you're getting a little bit of pushback? Um, just, you know, what, what do you think there? I think when people tell you it's just business, no lie, no greater lie has been told, right? And because on the one hand, you hear the phrase, well, people just want to work with people they like. People want to hire people that are like them. We sounded like uh, you know, Personality hires. We have pe- we, there, there's even a whole round of the interview process, the behavioral interview, because they want to see if you're a good cultural fit, right? But then, but then when you get feedback, oh, no, don't take it personally. It has nothing to do with your personality. It has nothing to do with, nothing to do with you which could be true, but I've found that oftentimes, especially when you are um, in an environment where you are other than the people that are in the room, uh, the personality, the person conveying that message, that work product really does influence who um, the response. And so I say all that to say, it might be impossible to not feel offended or by feedback that you get, but the important thing to remember, and like you said, goes back to the mindfulness, is knowing the feedback that like that helps and propels you versus the feedback that's just there to be mean and nasty. And so while that may hurt, you can just disregard it because you know that's not even important. That person was not trying to help you. They're not trying to advance your career by telling you, hey, yeah, your writing sucks. Like, okay, well how do I make it better? Right. So you're not even giving me the, you're not even going to give me the opportunity to make it better or give me constructive criticism. 
I'm going to disregard that feedback. And it definitely takes time and meditation practice and mindfulness practice to create the space between that inciting criticism and your reply. But um, that would be that, you know, I think that it first starts with dispelling the myth that you can't take criticism personally yep. because it is personal. That's so true. So true and very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, which kind of leads to my next question, which is how can leaders infuse creativity into their decision-making and problem-solving efforts? You know, I think that, I think that's, that's, that's tough because, um, a lot of people are either really in tune with their creative side, disregarding their more quantitative analytical side or, or vice versa. You know, we're by the numbers. We need to know how this impacts the bottom line and you know, what is the overall ROI and whatever it is versus, uh, well, we just, you know, we will design something that people will love and, and, and create a product that is going to just look great. And so, you know, I think it has to be, the realization is that you have to marry those two concepts uh, first. And so leaders should just should leaders should um, uh, appreciate the value that creatives actually bring to the table. And the same way, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this with PR. People might not take us as, as seriously as someone in the business analytics group. And you're like, well, wait a second. I'm the person who's on the front line with the consumer. They're the ones in the back office dealing with theory. And so the leader first has to recognize the value in both approaches when they want to come up with the creative, um, when they want to, you know, come up with a, a creative response to a, a business problem. So that would be the first thing. Um, and the second thing I would say is that leaders should really take the time to um, uh, like get involved in the creative process, seeing what, seeing the time and the energy and the, and the the things that go into play to create a mood board for the client or to just you know create a um you know just understand the process of writing a byline or not bad or something like that so um they can really see that this is an art and a science right and so um really just goes back to appreciating the value that creative services and creativity in general can bring to um, the business. Absolutely. Or oh my gosh. And I think that's something that in communications we experience so often is just trying to convey the value of public relations, of marketing, right. of, you know, graphic design, all of that, and how there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, sometimes it can be challenging to really convey just how powerful those aspects are and how much time that they take, you know. So I totally agree with you there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, this is something that we kind of already touched on, but I wanted to ask you again, you know, with such competing priorities and so much going on, it's really hard for people to balance their well-being. Do you have any time management tips or advice for how people can, you know, enhance their well-being with all of this stuff going on to become a better leader? Mm-hmm. Um, first off, you have to create margin in your life, right? Because you only have a limited amount of time and you have unlimited things that you need to do on unlimited liabilities. So you need to balance those scales between the time you have and the things you have to do. And I like to do that, uh, through time blocking. So that way I've pre-allocated my time for responding to emails, for writing things and for, um, 
you know, for, for being creative or whatever it is, uh, I'm blocking my time off, uh, including lunch, because you have to remember to eat, which is <laughs> something we sometimes forget to do, uh, water intake, all those sorts of things. You have to plan that out and be super intentional about your day. Otherwise, you're going to get caught up in the storm of activity and the sea of things to do and get that overbalance in one area um, where you just, you know, won't you'll be feeling like you need to rush to the weekend, even the weekend. Then you're like replying to emails on Sunday because there's just always so much to do. There is never an end to the things that you have to do, but there is always an end to the amount of time that you have. And so, you know, one of the ways you recognize that you have um, don't have margin in your life is, like I said, there's just that feeling of rushing. You're always going from place to place, from thing to thing. And so something's got to give. You've got to eliminate some things from your plate, but also maybe just get more organized. And that's one way to do it. Um, so, you know, again, my, my biggest tip would be to time block and really evaluate um, the, you know, whether or not a particular activity is going to be beneficial for you. Uh, oh, actually, you know, it brings me to another another thing, like um, what's called the Pareto analysis, is when you look at your activities and you assign it green time, yellow time, red time. Green time is like your money-making activities, the things you know that are productive, that are gonna be really important. Yellow time is the things that you need to do to get organized, and red time is things like, you could probably eliminate, like watching YouTube videos or going down those Instagram rabbit holes and you know taking hour-long phone calls with your friends or your family throughout the day, whatever it is. Um, doing that analysis of your time can really help you to figure out like what, what, what can I eliminate to find some more time in my life so you get more of this than like one of these in terms of that margin um, scale. I love that because to your point, it's just planning, you know, fail to plan, plan to fail. Right. And, you know, blocking off your calendar, especially if you have like Calendly or something, you don't want anyone to just be able to access you at any point. Um, so really just taking the time, being intentional, blocking that off. And yeah. then I love your point about the color segments because I was going to ask if you, you know, did different colors for different activities or, you know, what have you, but doing that green, red, yellow, that's really profound. And I think, yes. you know, helps so many people to do that analysis to be like, okay, here's where I can scroll back. And it also kind of helps you to differentiate between what's necessary and what's urgent um, and, you know, be able to make better decisions there. Absolutely. You just got to protect your time. Yeah. It's the only resource we really have. That's important. Absolutely. And that, that is so crucial. Um, so thinking about our time and how, you know, sometimes that involves working with others. Could you share a collaborative success story where you just had a really good outcome from collaborating and how that might help, you know, our listeners to better be able to collaborate more effectively um, with their teammates? Sure. You know, one example comes to mind when I was um, working on behalf of a group called uh, Black Men Engaged. And the entire purpose of the group was trying to increase the COVID vaccination rates in the Black and Hispanic communities in uh, the suburbs of Georgia and Florida where there were outbreaks that were particularly bad, you know, the, uh, the coronavirus. Um, it was a multifaceted campaign where they're giving out food and hosting events and going to the communities. They're very grassroots organized. We had phone callers, we had phone bankers, we had door knockers, you know, we had we're doing pretty much every way possible to reach 
people and let them know about the benefits and um, the uh, and then the you know the reasons why you should get vaccinated. Uh, but I found myself having difficulty with one of the uh, with the graphic design teams because you know they were just unreachable, virtually unreachable. Wouldn't show up to meetings. Wouldn't um, uh, reply to phone calls or emails or whatever it is. So you know, I finally had to go to the leader of the campaign and just say, "Look, we need to have a meeting where we just talk about this." You know, I'm I'm tired of be, of chasing them, and I, we need to just all come together and figure out what is the problem and how can we move forward. You know, what is the best way to contact you guys where we need to re- we can get a reply on this, uh, and 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 how can we all get on the same page? So you know, I think that's for a lot of people they would rather gripe about a problem versus uh versus potentially experience conflict to resolve it and that's just because growing up we may not necessarily have the be armed with the tools to uh be able to conflict successfully you know to be able to share your point of view listen to someone else's point of view meet somewhere in the middle and so having that having that wherewithal and understanding that you know they're people too they might have competing priorities but at the same time they need to get the job done because I have a job to do is important. So in that scenario, after we'd all met, we came together, they realized what the problem was. You know, they were just thinking that they could just reply whenever they wanted and that, that they didn't realize that these things are time sensitive. So had I not um, pointed out the issue and, and stepped up and did something that like really the, the, the leader of the organization should have been doing and noticing it. And we had you know so many other things to do, but if I hadn't adopted that leadership interest to be able to um, bring people to the table, we still at the, we may not have had the graphics that we needed, the designs that we needed, the printed items that we needed to be able to reach the communities. And so you know we in, in one particular community, vaccination rates went up by thirty percent, another one went up by twelve percent, and so we're really we were able to to see um, a measurable increase in the amount of vaccinations that we are able that that we got from the community and you know and basically like potentially save the lives of people who who just, just quite simply did not know anything about the uh, vaccine and whether or not they should take it that's a great you know story and very powerful example of collaboration and how to go about it I love that thank you so much. Um, and I guess my last question for you is, can you summarize key takeaways that listeners can implement uh, immediately to enhance their authentic leadership style today? So we talked about authentic leadership uh, from the perspective of from the perspective of knowing your purpose. So again, starting with why, why am I doing this? Why, you know, you can, you can even get really existential and thinking about like, why am I here? Why am I on this planet? Right. And so um, it really first starts with identifying that crucial question. And you may not have an answer. Your answer might change. But at the very least, think about it to uh, because from that one seed, the the entirety of your being can grow. You know, um, I, for example, really enjoy storytelling and and. Uh, creating stories that people enjoy that resonate with them you know ones that have a maybe have a lesson involved whatever it might be um, that's my why uh, but I would encourage everyone to find their why and you can do that through the Japanese principle called Ikigai and that is the um, the center of your you know um, your passion 
your purpose, you know, what do you think the world needs and you know, what you think you can make money off of, right? And so in that intersection is uh, what you can find, your, your reason. And then from that place, then you know you can be a leader. You know what interests you. You know why you're doing something and it can help inform what to do after that. So for me, I know I love storytelling. You know, what does that look like? It looks like writing corporate communications on behalf of clients. And it looks like, you know, writing perhaps, you know, short stories or novels and things like that. Um, it looks like having conversations with people like you. And, and, you know, and so that sort of permeates the, the, the core of your being uh, and gives you sort of direction versus, you know, not being able to know what it is you're about, you know. So every leader that you look at, no matter who it is, they start with having that core uh, focus in their life. It's, it's, it's very clear, whether you're a stand-up comedian or a, uh, you know, or a scientist, whatever it is, like there is a core reason that uh, you're, you are um, for being and that is expressed through everything that they do and everything that they're leading in. So know your why. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Just sum it all up. Know your why. Know your why. Um, well, Dominic, it has been so amazing to have you on and appreciate your time. You've shared valuable insights that I know will help listeners and it's always a pleasure to connect with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. Absolutely. Well, we will talk soon.